In this episode of Health Seeker Stories, we're going to talk to Simon Wilkinson from Tanita, someone I've worked with on the concept and development of health seekers. I'm your host, Guy Griffiths, co-founder of The Collective, a fitness industry network on which these stories are published, and director of GG Fit, a consultancy whose purpose is to help more people to be fit and healthy by working with health and fitness clubs. Health Seeker Stories is a series of conversations designed to share ideas to help the health and fitness industries to collaborate more. If you'd like to hear my definition of a health seeker, scroll back to episode one where I set the scene for the series, or go to ggfit.com slash healthseekers for more resources and links. Stick around until the end of the episode to find out more about those links and follow-up actions. There's going to be a short message now from our partners at Y Sports, and then you'll be able to get straight into my conversation with Simon Wilkinson. Health Seeker Stories is produced in partnership with Y Sports, a focused social enterprise that works tirelessly to increase activity across the UK. We firmly believe that everyone should have access to regular exercise, regardless of age, background, or their level of ability. Y Sports hosts conferences, webinars, news, and blog articles to exchange, share, and promote ideas that boost health and activity. Their next conference is on 12th of September 2023 at the Royal Society of Medicine in London. Find out more and get your tickets at whysports.blog. That's W-H-Y-S-P-O-R-T-S dot blog. On this episode of Health Seeker Stories, I'm pleased to be joined by Simon Wilkinson from Tanita, who has, I would say, been integral in helping me to build the kind of the idea of health seekers. So, yeah, it's really great to chat to you. Thanks for joining me today, Simon. Thanks, Guy. That's quite a high bar you set from the start. <laughs> integral to the whole thing. Maybe I can work with it. Maybe I can work with that. Yeah, well, no, and listen, we've been, we've been chatting and we've been presenting on Tanita and on retention and on body composition with, with each other at various different clients for five, six years now. At least five years, Guy, yeah. It's at yeah. least five years. I'm six years with Tanita, and I think it was in my first year that we met at a technology event, I would guess. Yeah. yeah. From that point onwards, there was some clear synergy, right? So we've done quite a bit together since then. Indeed. And this is this is not our first podcast rodeo either, because Simon has been on your dream gym. So look back through series five, episode nine, find out about Simon's dream gym. But we're not here to talk about dream gyms today. We're here to talk about health seekers. And I often like to start off by asking guests on health seeker stories what they think a health seeker is. What would be your definition or what, what do you think of when I say health seeker to you, Simon? Yeah, I think the definition is an interesting one because it's quite, I think, I think it's quite a broad definition. It's much broader than people perceive it to be. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about our technology, giving the health data that allows you to have a health conversation, People initially think that, oh, well, that's 50 plus. That's people who are at the age where they're more, more focused on their health. Right. 
or it's for us to attract people who are not into the gym or not into the fitness. And yes, it is both those things. Mm -hmm. But for me, a health seeker is anybody who is looking to improve their health, which is, in theory, everybody that comes through your door of the gym and a vast amount of people outside of your door to the Mm -hmm. gym. So it's about focusing on what aspects of their health they want to improve. So when I talk to, to, to gyms, mainly my role about health seekers and what is a health seeker, there is a definite narrowing of it's a sector of the market who is maybe not as into the gym, maybe not as into their fitness. And you can focus on them by talking about health in general or supporting them with a healthier lifestyle, not a fitness and exercise thing. Yeah, yeah. You say you say a narrowing. I'd argue that it's a widening. If we've got fifteen percent of people in gyms, then it's outside that. But I really like your point about a lot of gym owners or gym operators thinking, "Ah, oh, yes, health seekers are fifty plus," and yeah, they're they're absolutely not. There no. are there are twenty year olds, probably a little bit fewer, and further between. But thirty year olds, forty year olds who do want to be healthier and don't want to necessarily pick up kettlebells or run on treadmills, but no. they, but they need educating, which is where part of the, and the, one of the reasons to get you on early, other than being integral to my thinking on this is because body composition, whilst it's not the be all and end all of a health seekers model, I think it is fairly integral to give people a, the measurement and b the education around their health. So those, those stats, we, I don't think we're going to get you know, deep into visceral. Well, let's not get into some of the heavy stats. Simon does all the time and he knows it all and he's brilliant at it. So if you want to know a proper definition of visceral body fat, then seek him out on a, on a stage somewhere or reach out to him. But the, one of the keys is, is looking at a handful or even just like two or three parts of the reading rather than blinding people with science. And I'm not even talking gym goers. I'm talking more health seekers. It's about giving them two or three things to think about. Right, Simon? That's it. I think when the focus of a health seeker is those people outside of the gym, then it's absolutely those bits of engaging educational data are really important. And the education is, if anything, the most important bit because they might not have any idea that they're important or that exist or that you can measure them. So when they come to you seeking improved health, you focusing on one or two tops, I would say three metrics with them in those early days, Mm -hmm. creates that engagement, creates educational platform for them to, to have a really clear goal and a really clear target to start making those steps forward. And I think one of the biggest barriers to the, the, the demographic of health seeker who are the non-gym goers, one of the biggest barriers is getting going with some confidence and some consistency. Many of those people may have tried the gym. They may have had multiple gym memberships behind them, but it's never stuck. So mm-hmm. you're going to try and find that route to make it stick. And it's not the gym, it's the data and it's the personalized elements of it. So I don't think you necessarily need body composition to create a health seeker journey, 
but you know professionally and personally i think the data that comes from it allows you to build a much a much stronger health seeker journey than if you were to just focus on weight and i guess more well-being or anecdotal elements of 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 someone's personal health yeah and the the the, the 25 30 stats that come out of a body composition device like tanita what you know what are the key ones that you see clubs using to help motivate or shock people into some kind of behavior change well there's one one that's pretty unique to tanita and that's metabolic age and i think mm. the metabolic age measurement if you were to only pick one measurement and it's not definitely not a wrong thing to do to to people's attention yeah. to engage people one one piece of data is super powerful metabolic age is exactly that and i guess we're not the deep dive into what all the data means but for listeners who don't have a clue what metabolic age is essentially it's an age that a tanita device calculates using your basal metabolic rate so it looks at your basal metabolic rate the amount of calories your body is capable of burning in 24 hours and it gives you age based on that so a lower metabolic age indicates you have an efficient engine essentially and higher metabolic age indicates that there is less efficient burning of calories that might be because of increased body fat might be because of decreased muscle mass but all of that is a secondary conversation to the metabolic age mm -hmm. once you've shown them that age there is a there is an immediate response whether it's positive or negative there is an immediate emotional response to it and that's super powerful so that's the one i would recommend leads any health seeker journey mm -hmm. but that that can then well that that will then flow on into you know a, a health seeker or someone who's just had that reading to say okay how can i change that and there's a, there's then a choice for them to say, and we've got some great stories of people saying, I think I could, I don't want to be active. I don't want to eat differently, but I, I, it looks like I could improve my hydration. Mm -hmm. I could drink more. And the changes people have made by improving that, that then brings their age down or, you know, back to a lot of the other readings, but it's about educating them about how they're going to bring that down. And then off they go to make some changes, right? That's absolutely it. That one metabolic age measurement then naturally drives that secondary conversation. Oh, why is it so high? Mm. Oh, well, actually, for you, it's so high because body fat is a little bit high, or your hydration is a little bit low, or muscle mass is a, a little bit low. What, whatever it might be for that individual, mm -hmm. it always drives that secondary conversation really, really easily. And then suddenly, without much effort, you're into a target setting conversation with somebody who probably has quite or could have quite a, a broad or vague idea of what their targets are you know mm. again when i see people speaking about health seekers they often one of the most challenging elements is they might have quite a vague goal maybe it's just weight loss or just yeah. feel a bit healthier or i guess to to tone up and there's never a reason behind it and without that reason behind it, I guess, is a bit less accountability. Like you're not toning up for competition or because you're playing football or whatever it might be. You're just, that's what you think you might need to be a bit healthier. So by suddenly giving somebody this, this, this metabolic age, seeing their reaction, that reaction is always, how do I improve it? 
Or, I mean, it might be a super confident, oh, wow, look at Fantastic. I'm yeah. the thought I was. But then why is it that? It, either way, it drives that secondary conversation into why is it telling me I'm that age? Yes. Or, or as, as Gary from Parkwood talked to us about, it is the, the classic weight loss story of the lady who had joined the gym and four weeks later, I think, had, had put on weight and was absolutely distraught. But when they jumped on the body tracks, it's an eater inside, found out that it was because she'd put on a load of muscle and lost a load of fat. And, you know, her husband was then in the office shaking Gary's hand off saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, you've saved my wife and probably my life because, she, you know, I did encourage her to join the gym and she can now see that she did make the right decision because the bathroom scales, they didn't, yeah. they didn't lie. No, they showed her that she'd gained weight when her goal was to lose weight. But actually her goal to your point was not actually to lose weight, was to be slimmer. To lose a little bit of body fat, to get yeah. a little healthier by losing a little bit of body fat, not mm -hmm. to lose weight. And yeah, when you do use body composition and you do use metabolic age and the conversation it drives very naturally allows you to have that level of conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. whereas without it they may be very well focused on weight and bmi and you might know as a fitness professional or a health professional actually i want to drive a more detailed conversation here but driving that detailed conversation is the most difficult part often because where does the engagement come from where does the understanding come from unless you make it as presentable and as simple as possible absolutely yeah that that leads us on nicely into one of the Difficult things that I know clubs face, other than getting people to have their first measurement, but I mean, listen, there's, there's, there's lots of tricks and techniques we can go into for that maybe another time, but it's the follow-up measurement. Obviously to have a follow-up, you've got to have had the first one. And just quickly, one of the tricks that you've told me, I'll, I'll borrow this from you is, you know, get, get people onto the scales, tell them you don't have to look at the results, but you know, if you take a before reading, then your after reading is going to be great. So I won't look at the results. You don't have to look at the results either. But as you're joining a gym, that's the perfect time to, to start collecting the data. But we have struggled with a couple of the pilots we've been running in terms of getting people to come for a follow-up. Yes. Um, and I know a lot of clubs and PTs recommend coming for a follow-up in six weeks. But um, we were talking a little bit off air about how you might recommend sooner than that. In terms of ensuring people do come for the next appointment, what are your sure. tips? You know, I mean, I think there's... there's Two ways to look at it. One, any clinical intervention, when BIA technology is used within medical practice, four to six weeks is a typical period people will leave between measurements because you have to give time for whatever that intervention is to have some impact and then you measure the impact. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly true within the fitness industry too. Four to six weeks time, you would really, really hope whoever you're working with has started to see some changes to their body composition or some improvements. But there's a secondary conversation within the fitness industry, and that's about retention and engagement and communication. And leaving a measurement six weeks, for me, is just too long. Mm. It's, you've either got somebody who's bought into it and engaged and loves it, and you say, do this in six weeks, and they go, six weeks? Yeah, this, sorry, this is for a new, this is for a new member after their first measurement. Yes. So yeah, they could have had that first measurement and it could be something that they're really excited about. And then to them, six weeks seems a lifetime away. Well, you know, it's a, 
It's a long time away. There's less enthusiasm suddenly because they've got to wait six weeks to see all this data again. Mm. The reverse of that, somebody who is maybe a little bit apprehensive or nervous about the data, six weeks is a long time away. And they mm. might leave a sigh of relief and suddenly a little bit of accountability is maybe brushed off their shoulders that because I don't have to do this again for six weeks. Great. So playing devil's advocate, yeah. if, if I was a PT saying to you, and I had a PT saying this to me last week, but six weeks, they're not going to see results. You know, if I, if I measure them in three weeks, they're not going to see results. I want to get them results. I want them to see a shift. Yes. So if I do it in three weeks, I'm worried as a PT that they're not going to see results. No, I think the key thing, what I will always advocate is that the, the bare minimum for measurement should be a before, during, and after. Mm-hmm. But before, during, and after in a six-week program would be week one, week three, week six. Okay. And week three, the key reason you do a measurement is to track progress. Is there changes? If the changes, yes, they will be small. But if they're positive, that's a huge reinforcement of you're on the right path. Yeah. Look at the changes we've made already. We've now got another three weeks to keep doing what we're doing. Suddenly chest is out a little bit, chin's up a little bit. There's a real positive reinforcement. Yeah. In that, I guess, doomsday scenario of actually there isn't improvement in three weeks or the worst case scenario, things have gone backwards again in three weeks. Then you've got that intervention point to discuss mm. why. Why do you think we've not seen the progress we expected to do? Have you been everything outside of your time with me that we've discussed? Mm. Answers are the answer is no. They absolutely haven't been doing all those things that you've been advising them to do. Right. And then week three becomes the kick up the backside where people go, okay, yeah, I've got three more weeks now to look at the improvements. Perfect. So it's it's an account, and, and I absolutely agree with you. I was just playing devil's advocate, or <laughs> you know that 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 PT who's who's always questioning. Which don't get me wrong, they they are great. I love those kind of people. Question. But it's the accountability piece. I think it's also for me, it's the building of the habits. The habit of being measured, the habit of popping your socks off and holding those handles, which, as you say, could be quite uncomfortable the first time you've done it. But it's also the habit of being measured. And again, without going into all the technical details of what you should do, you know, whereabouts in your cycle you are if you're a woman, or, you know, how many espressos you had that morning. If you are going to see anomalies or, 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 you know, big differences in the data, it's about understanding those and understanding about measuring correctly and being a similar time and in a similar state of mind and body to to have a test. So it's building building up the habit as yeah. well as the much more important part, I think, the accountability. That's it. I think it's it has much to do with habit forming good anything else. You know, if you're wanting mm. people to make improvements, to make changes, or away from that, stay at your gym as a member as long as possible. Yeah. You have to become or, or you, they have to become, or you, sorry, have to become part of their routine. That's yes. And until you become an habitual part of their routine, there is always, it will be always the amber flag member who might suddenly drop from three to two to one a week. And then you don't see them for a couple of weeks and then mm-hmm. they're off the radar. Yeah. Whereas if you've got them with some accountability, you know, every two to three weeks, or maximum every four weeks, that once a month, they're going to have that booked in body composition measurement that's going to focus on the elements of their health they're trying to change. And those goalposts could move over time as well. A health seeker might start that journey 
with a weight loss goal becomes a fat loss focus mm-hmm. that becomes a muscle increase 12, 14, 16 weeks later, you know, yeah. and that's the dream scenario because then you've they've hit their goals. They've been really engaged and they've actually then developed what they want to do, you know, and that, that increase in muscle doesn't have to come from the gym floor. If that health seeker is still the engaged person who is not a typical gym member, then what activities can they do outside of the gym that helps them to maintain and increase the muscle mass? But no, absolutely. Are there any, I mean, there's lots of stories interwoven into this, but what, what give, give us one of your favorite stories from a, from a client that you've been working with recently. Have you got any health, a, a specific health seeker story, Simon, for us? I mean, this is generally always the fun challenge in that most of my days is spent either speaking to our existing customers on, or, on how they're using our technology or finding out from customers about how they're using our technology. You know, those, those stories are a massively interesting part of my job, you know, mm-hmm. not just getting more people to use Tanita, but then supporting them in how they use it. And I think there's, there's a good example recently of North Warwickshire Leisure who yep. have gone from having quite the standard sort of body fat scale where you're putting a pound coin in, sat in the reception area, getting used once or twice a blue moon. Yeah. Generating very little money for them. Gen- generating, generating two pounds something. Yes. yes. <laughs> Having zero impact or next to zero impact on anybody. But they wanted to impact not just their members more, but the wider community more. So they've gone from having quite a rudimentary machine in the reception to have a medical grade to need to device, which is a huge jump up for them. But mm-hmm. their goal is to impact as wide a community as possible. So it's a, it's a tool for members to use, but it's also a tool for non-members to use. Members mm-hmm. can bring their friends and family in, or people can book in for a health MOT, is, is what they're calling it, but you do not have to be a member. And for me, there's some other examples. I know this is also what Parkwood Leisure do. We've mentioned Parkwood at least once, I think, already, yeah. with body tracks. And body tracks is people who are not familiar. A self-serve kiosk integrates a Tanita device inside there. So obviously I'm a big advocate of it. And they're, they're trying to encourage non-members to come in and take a measurement. And I think is at the minute the most innovative and I think best use of the technology that I'm seeing right now. And it is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's growing because we mentioned that challenge of outside of the gym impacting that wider 85%. How do we do that? Mm. We do that through health, not necessarily through fitness or through the gym. And North Warwickshire definitely recognize this because they want to give more data to their members. They want to show the value and the impact of being a member. Of course they do, but they also want to impact that wider community, more people on site to the gym, know that they can help them. If even if it isn't on the gym floor, the monthly health MOT is available. And I think they're, they're, they're seeing some really, real high interest in that really early. Is it more, they're not member referrals because a classic member referral is, and then you join and pay a direct debit and we've got you. That's, that's what people think of as a member referral, but they're smashing all records on members referring their friends and family for a health MOT, right? That's it. Yeah. And again, it's then, I think from the 
from the the acceptability side of it, there isn't a, oh, what's the catch? Do they want me to sign up as a member, right? Well, yes. no, not unless you want to. If you want to, of course. Yeah, we've got, we've got behind that door, we've got everything. But yeah. here in reception, yeah. get your health. And if you want to come back next month and check it again, then no. do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. which that, that's, creates, that's, 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 yeah, it's absolutely at the heart of health seekers for me. Yeah. It uh, creates a very non threatening environment, I think. And there, there, there isn't, to do that right, I think you have to remove that threat of trying to sell you a membership. And yeah. you know, it would be great to sell memberships, but if your goal generally is to impact the health of the greater community, then do that and focus on that. And if you can monetize it, great. But if at the end of the month, two months, three months, you have some data that shows, actually, we've now taken a thousand measurements with people in the community and the difference in body fat levels is X. Mm -hmm. That's possibly as important as the monetary side of it because I was then, say, it could it could even be more valuable yeah because then you have that impactful data that shows you have created a difference and you know there's some great examples with stevenage leisure historically who having that data alone has opened up other revenue sources for them and other grants for them and that's they were sort of doing health seeker things right in the early days of us discovering it for yeah. four, four or five years ago so yeah. think, thinking of that sort of the, the bigger picture than just gym membership and definitely not trying to sell people the gym membership on day one is mm -hmm. a really key message of, of, of working on this health seeker basis and this health MOT membership. And yeah, at the minute I see that North Warwickshire are pretty new to doing it, which is why I think they're a good example. It's a big shift from what they were doing mm -hmm. to what they are doing, but the impact has been pretty quick pretty positive so yeah i think i would say anyone sort of seek those guys out i guess pretty yep. open to having a conversation with people about how they're using it and what the feedback is and the different people that it's bringing to their doors that otherwise wouldn't come with. perfect so yeah a good, a good story thank you and uh, as i yeah as i allude to i'm sure you have plenty more so we will get you back on the health seeker stories at some point again soon uh, yeah, that's a but uh, we could spend a while going through these different stories, I guess. I was going to say, we might. Lots yeah. of different examples of the use of the data. Lots of data comes up lots of roads. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for more, if you if you want to seek more health seeker stories from Simon in the meantime, find him at any health or fitness conference, pretty much, whether it's independent gyms or Y Sports or Elevate or all those good things, he and or I will be there. Or reach out to Simon on LinkedIn. You're pretty active on LinkedIn, aren't you, Simon? Yeah, LinkedIn, I guess, is the main one. More recently, there is a Simon Tanita Instagram, which is there is, which is terrifying for me as a non-social media mogul. But now I am reliably informed that apparently lots of the fitness industry is on Instagram. You're better. You're better than me on Insta. Yes. Um, so well, well, well done. So kudos to you for that. So yeah, look up Simon Wilkinson on LinkedIn or on Instagram. And yeah, so reach out to Simon directly with any questions, or as I say, see him at many of the exciting health and fitness conferences that are going on. Perfect. Yeah, we'll either be exhibiting or as Tanita, or I will be there as an interested delegate for sure. Yeah, indeed. Thank you very much, Simon, for your time today. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. No problems, Guy. A pleasure. Thanks for 
thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you found this conversation interesting. As you can tell, Simon and I catch up quite a lot on Zoom and in the car, on the phone, at conferences and also at client sites. So we've got lots of shared stories and like I said at the top, he has been instrumental in developing the Health Seeker programs. If you'd like to find out more about how Health Seeker projects are working for clubs, then listen to the other episodes. The next one in the series is with Alexa Passingham from Humans, and there's lots more available to stream right now. There are four actions available to you at ggfit.com healthseekers. The first two don't cost anything. You can download the Healthseeker playbook for free, or you can add your facility to the map of body composition devices that we're building for people to find health checks. The third choice is to book a strategy call with me to discuss how health seekers could work for your business. There may still be some discounted sessions available depending on timing. Finally, there's the Health Seeker coaching course available from Future Fit, also linked from that landing page, ggfit.com healthseekers. Please don't forget to check out our partners' website and conferences at ysports.blog, and it would be great to see you at one of their events. On Tuesday the 12th of September, they have their Improving Health and Increasing Activity conference, and the Y Sports Annual Conference is on Wednesday the 25th of October. Both events are at the Royal Society of Medicine in London. Thank you again for listening to this conversation. Please like and subscribe to get future episodes, and get in touch if you want to join in with the conversation.